Uh, our scripture passage this morning comes from John chapter 1. Uh, we're continuing in our series through the book of John. Uh, we're following Jesus, learning how to follow him. Last week, uh, we talked about John the Baptist. Uh, and we talked about how John understood his identity. He knew who he was in relation to Jesus. And so a part of that meant that he knew that he was not the Messiah. Right? When they came up to him and they asked him, hey, who are you? Why, why are you baptizing people? Why are you doing all these things? John said, I am not the Messiah. But then he talked about, he says, but I know who is. Right? Uh, in John's gospel, uh, it says that uh, John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Right? He models for us what our lives look like. To know I'm not the, sa- I'm not the Savior. Uh, I know you're not the Savior, but we can give thanks to God because we know who is. And so this morning in our reading, we see John the Baptist uh, again. Uh, and this time he's pointing even more in Jesus' direction. He's saying, hey, there's Jesus I'm going to tell you a little bit about his purpose, and then as we hear and know Jesus' story a little bit more this morning, uh, there's an invitation for how we might follow uh, in his way. And so we're reading in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. Uh, It says, The next day he, meaning John the Baptist, uh, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, Because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, so in this passage, uh, we see John the Baptist you know, fulfilling the role that he has as the one who comes to testify to the light. Right, he sees Jesus coming, and he identifies him. He points to him. He says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He tells us who Jesus is. Now, what this passage doesn't go all the way into details in and what we see in the other gospels is that in this encounter that he has with Jesus, Jesus is coming to him to be baptized. Uh, Jesus is going to walk down into the waters so that he could be baptized by John the Baptist. And so it creates this interesting situation, this, this interesting story where we see Jesus, the Lamb of God, coming to be baptized. Now, now first, I want us to understand what it means for Jesus to be called the Lamb of God. This is a title that carries a great significance for for us and especially for the people of Israel who were there being baptized by John at that time. Uh, The people of Israel who are coming to be baptized by John, who hear him proclaim that Jesus is the Lamb of God, they're familiar with the role of the Lamb being brought forth as a sacrifice at the Passover time. Each family would have to have a lamb, a reminder of God's delivering the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, a passing over of the people who had the blood of the lamb on their doors and on their windows. So when they would celebrate the Passover, they would, they would have a lamb as a reminder of what God had done for them, how God had delivered the people from slavery. Then, not every day in the temple, There were two lambs that were sacrificed at the temple altar as an offering to God, as a way of redeeming the people from their sins, as a way of drawing people closer to God. 
And so the people of Israel are hearing John call out, look, there he is, the Lamb of God. And they're making this connection. There's a sacrifice that's taking place in Jesus's life. And John is then identifying Jesus as this one who is coming to be that sacrifice, the one who will redeem the people from their sin, the person who's going to set them free from slavery to sin. Uh, right? It's a recognition that sin has a hold upon our lives. And then apart from somebody setting us free, we're going to continue in that way, to continue in that nature. So Jesus is not only the one who forgives us, but he sets us free from the power of sin. And then he's also making the statement as he's identifying Jesus as the Lamb of God. He's connecting him with this Passover Lamb as the one who is pure, who is holy, who is without blemish. And the Passover Lamb had to be this Lamb that had no blemishes, had no problems, had nothing wrong. And so he's saying, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the one who is pure, who is holy, who is without blemish. He is the one who is without sin. The Apostle Paul will kind of echo this sentiment about who Jesus is uh, a little bit later on when he says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, right? so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? It's a recognition that Jesus is without sin, and he came to forgive us of our sin. And, and if we think about it, this is some powerful stuff that John is saying, some powerful stuff for in our own lives. Right? Jesus being the Lamb of God means life and salvation for you and for me. It means life and salvation for all who would follow him. Uh, if you... If you know that old hymn, there's power in the blood. I mean, this is what it's talking about. There is power in the blood because... Jesus is the one who is holy and pure without sin. He's the one who laid down his life for us, became the sacrifice for our sin. He is the one who is victorious over sin, right? Because he is the lamb. And so as we begin to understand Jesus as the lamb of God, as the one who is pure and holy, sinless, without blame, it kind of raises another question for me, a question that I think a lot of times people wrestle with when we see Jesus as the lamb of God going to John the Baptist in order to be baptized. Right? It raises this question, why is Jesus being baptized? Because baptism, so much of the time, is connected with repentance. Right? When I'm baptized, I'm, I'm repenting of what I've done, uh, of my sin, and I'm, I'm turning my life to God. But if Jesus is pure and holy and blameless, why is Jesus being baptized? Right? And, and there's a number of things that are taking place in his baptism. Uh, when Jesus is baptized, and we can read this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, it tells about the heavens opening up, the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. Uh, there's a voice from heaven, at least in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that speaks and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? There's a, a recognition of who Jesus is. It's this opportunity to identify him. Right? It, it's solidifying what John the Baptist is saying is true. Right? He's the Lamb of God, the Son of God. He is the one who is the Messiah. His baptism becomes this event where everybody is invited to see and know him for who he is. It's a confirmation of his identity. But I think there's more that takes place. Uh, as Jesus is being baptized, it's not just to recognize who he is, but there's an invitation for us to follow in his way, to follow in those footsteps. And it's more than just repentance. It's more than just turning away from sin. It's more than just turning away from selfish living. So why is Jesus being baptized? What does it model for me? And, and I have to give credit first uh, to a guy named Josh Leroy. Uh, he's 
uh, writing daily devotionals for Seedbed Daily Text. They come in your email every day. Uh, he's been writing for the past month. There's a number of people who write in there. It's a great daily devotional. Actually, just kind of just put an ad out real quick. If you need a daily devotional that comes to your email, Google Seedbed Daily Text. It's a great place. You'll, you'll grow a lot uh, through those daily devotionals. But he was writing and he was talking about baptism and he was talking about Jesus and he was mentioning that baptism in a lot of ways, is an act of surrender. And the baptism is first and foremost a ritual of submission and surrender. If you think about it, in baptism, as you're being dunked underwater, you're surrendering everything to some person who's holding you down underneath water, trusting that they're going to let you back up and help you back up. I mean... There's a huge act of surrender and submission that's taken place. When a person walks down into the waters of baptism, it's this statement for the whole world to hear that I surrender, that I submit my will to the makers of heaven and earth, that I'm going to sacrifice everything that is temporary, that is temporal, that is right here in front of me for all the things that are eternal. And I think this is the essence of Jesus's baptism. He's modeling for us what it is to submit and to surrender to the Father. In his humanity, even though he's without sin, he's committing himself to that life. His baptism then is this foreshadowing of when Jesus is out in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays. He says, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, let it be, but not my will, but your will be done. It's a submission, a surrendering of his will to the will of the Father. And as being baptized, Jesus is setting an example of surrender and submission, and he's inviting us to follow and do likewise, right? to lay our own lives down, to submit our own desires, our own dreams, to lay down what, what we hold most dear, to sacrifice it and to place it in his hands. In your baptism, when you take the time to remember your baptism, if there's an opportunity to renew your baptismal vows, there's this invitation to surrender your life to the will of God. An invitation to say, my life no longer belongs to me, but it belongs to God. It's an invitation to give up control and to place control in God's hands. John Wesley, uh, the founder of the Methodist movement, he had a prayer that he would invite people to pray. Uh, Part of a, a covenant, a Wesleyan covenant service, it would often be called that the First part of the year. And I believe that this prayer captures this act of surrender so well. It's going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to share it with us. It says, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praise for you. Or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and to your service. I'm going to leave it up on the screen for just a little bit. What I love in these words, in this prayer, is that it recognizes that God's will for us might lead us into places and situations that we don't necessarily want to go giving up control and placing it in God's hands, it might take us out of our comfort zones. It may lead us into situations that we find completely uncomfortable. To surrender our lives fully to God, to give him control, means that 
we might go through a journey of suffering. It means that we might go through a journey where we experience criticism. It means that we might go through this time of having nothing. So we're submitting ourselves fully to him. As I'm saying, God, I'm placing all of this in your hands. Submitting my will fully to God means that I very well might walk through the fires. I might walk through the storms. I'm going to have to walk through some deep and dark valleys as I follow him. It can be quite a scary proposition if we take it seriously. If I'm seriously saying, God, I'm going to submit and surrender my will to yours, it can lead into some difficult situations that we might say, you know what, this is, I don't know how I can do this. Right? To truly pray these words, to honestly say, I surrender all, to live in a way that gives complete control of my will to God's will. To be willing to follow as he leads can be a bit unnerving. It requires a radical kind of trust. It requires a deeper faith than what we are used to. It means to take a step beyond just saying, yes, Jesus, I know you as my Savior. Yes, Jesus, I know there's an eternal life that comes. And it means to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm going to listen for your voice. And I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to take another step further. And I think the only way to develop this radical kind of trust, the only way that we can trust God this much that we can fully surrender and submit our wills, our lives, our dreams, our desires to him is to grow in our standing of just how much he loves us. I, I can't surrender my will to God if I don't trust him. I can't trust him if I don't think that ultimately he loves me more than what I know, more than what I can understand, but that he has that kind of love for me. But if I know how much God loves me, if I could truly take hold of and believe that God so loved the world, and so loved me that he gave his only son, who lived this sinless, blameless life, that lived as the Lamb of God, holy and without blemish, that laid down his life for me, that sacrificed his own life for mine. If I understand that kind of love, I can begin to trust God. If I let it sink down into my soul that God proves his love for us while I was yet a sinner, when I was an enemy of God, there was no guarantee that any of us would ever follow him, would ever say yes to him, would ever place any bit of trust in him, but yet he gave himself up for us because he loved us, because he looked out and he saw you and he loved you. If I could let that kind of love fill my life, that unconditional, never giving up, never failing, always and forever kind of love, if I can allow that to fill my life, then I can trust him enough to surrender myself to him, to submit my will to his. I can love him in return enough to say, God, here's, here's control of my life. I'm, I'm placing you in charge. And so this morning... Um, we're going to have an opportunity to, to remember our baptism. And to remember your baptism doesn't mean to, like, I remember the moment. It can, to remember that kind of moment and commitment. Uh, but it's an opportunity to remember the love that God has for us. It's an opportunity to recommit to that act of surrender. To, to once again say, God, I'm surrendering my life to yours. Uh, I'm I'm surrendering my will to yours. I'm submitting my dreams and desires to what you would have for me. It's an opportunity to renew our commitment to following God's will within our lives. That means we're kicking off this new year by saying, you know what, Jesus 
this year belongs to you. 2024 is, is yours. Uh, I'm setting aside whatever aspirations I have, whatever dreams I have, whatever it is that I need to do. God, I'm setting it aside because I'm following you. I'm committing myself fully to you and, and my life and my family and my walk and my talk and my work and my retirement and my relationships and my community with my friends. Every part of my life belongs to you, Jesus. I'm surrendering every part to you. So as we're preparing to kind of remember our baptism, I want to I want to ask, you know, what is it that you need to surrender to God as this new year begins? What what part of your will, what part of your desires do you need to submit to God's desires for you? What, what areas of your life are you holding control over? Say, no, this is this is mine. I, I've, I've got this part. I, I can handle this part. I could do this part. No, you know, I, I, I want to continue to pursue this way and and God's way. What part still are you holding on to? Are you holding control over that you need to? give to God? Is it the way that you use your time? Is it those relationships that you have with others? Are there relationships that, that you need to pursue or are there relationships that you need to let go of? Is it your finances? Is it your dreams? Is it some desire that you've had and you just want to keep going on with this, with this dream or this desire for whatever it might be, but you know what? this might not be God's will. This might not be God's desire. You need to turn it over and place it in, in his hands. Is it your work situation? Is God calling you to go somewhere or do something and you're hesitant about it? You're not sure of what it might turn out to be. You can see the first step, but you don't know how it ends. And so you're not ready to take that step. What part do you need to let go of and and submit to God? What part do you need to place in his hands and say, God, I'm I'm following your will? So as we take a moment to pray, uh, I I want you to ask God. You know, God, what is it that you're inviting me to surrender this year? Uh, What are you inviting me to let go of control over and put you in charge of this year? And then ask him to give you a deeper connection to his love so that you can can trust him enough to give yourself fully to him. Ask him, say, God, help help me to know your love so much that I can trust wherever you lead. Whatever it is that you have for me, help me to live with that radical kind of trust. Let us take a moment to pray together. God, we do give you thanks for the love that you have for us. We thank you that you sent your only son to be the lamb that was slain so that we might have life, so that we might have forgiveness of our sins, so we might be set free from sin. We thank you for that kind of love, and we pray that we pray that that would resonate so deeply within us that we would know so much of who we are because of who you are and what you've done for us. That we can trust you fully. That we can trust you enough to commit ourselves, our lives, and those around us into your hands. That we can let go of control and submit to your will and to your ways. And so what I pray this morning that you would help us to see the places in our lives that we need to surrender to you. Help us to hear and recognize and know your voice as you, as you call us forward, as, as you call us to follow wherever it is that you lead, as you invite us to submit and surrender our ways to yours. God, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.